Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now here's this week's podcast all right good evening it is good to see you tonight thank you for coming out for our very special Monday Thursday service and uh, I hope that as you came in uh, you stopped at one of the tables and got uh, your communion elements that you're going to need in just a little bit if you didn't you can feel free to slip up right now and walk to the back and grab one of those or wave your hand and we'll have somebody bring you one. I am so glad that you're here tonight. Hey, just a couple of announcements. Of course, we're in the midst of our Easter weekend. Tomorrow, here in this room at 7 o'clock, we'll have our Good Friday service. And I want to challenge you to invite someone. Tomorrow night, uh, we'll have a special guest, Carrie Jackson, who is a missionary and painter from Atlanta, Georgia, will be here painting. And we'll also have a message from God's Word. And then I am so excited about Easter Sunday Please invite at least one person to come join you Easter Sunday. Uh, I've been inviting several, and I've got two who say they're coming. So uh, they're going to take those two chairs right there, those two seats right there, and we'll fill up this room Sunday and hopefully see some people come to know Jesus this weekend. Will you pray with me as we start our service together? Lord, thank you for the privilege to gather in this place today and to turn our attention to you. Thank you, Lord, for this time of year, for this season for the reminder of what you mean to us, what you did for us, what you completed for us, and the opportunity that we have to have a wonderful relationship with Jesus. And I pray, Lord, tonight you would focus our minds and our hearts on you. Lord, allow us to worship you through the music and through your word and through a time of communion together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Great to know that this year we can meet together. We were talking earlier, last year at Easter, we were all quarantined in our homes, and I remember doing a lot of the taping of the services and, and uh, just being emotional. My wife can tell you, uh, I was just emotional because we were not able to gather, and uh, that's the first time since I was a child that I can remember that I ever missed an Easter service and uh, how odd it was. But the church, God had an, um, something in mind, and God put the church on the move. He started right in our homes and to our neighbors. So God did a work, and we're thankful that what God even does today as slowly others are starting to come back to our worship services. And yes, we are thinking that we're thinking this place may be full on Sunday, and uh, we can't wait. And each day as we get up, thanking God for the day that he's given. Isn't it great to know that we stand in his presence? Isn't, isn't it great to know that he's given us another day to be for him a better person than we were yesterday? How many of you can say today, today I'm thankful for what he did in my life and I'm thankful that I'm standing in his presence? I raise both of my hands. Let's stand together as we sing just a verse and chorus of I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene.
bride. Let's sing out together. created man, he saw that his creation was good. However, sin came into this world and it changed everything. The law was given to Moses and we can read in his word how God's children worshipped and then turned away. And on and on and on we can see the children of Israel turning back to God, then pulling away from God, going back to God, and then pulling away. After 400 years of silence, God gave his only son, Jesus. We just celebrated his birth in December. At this point in history, over 2,000 years ago, a baby changed everything. Jesus grew and taught in the temple. At the age of 33, he started his ministry here on earth. We can see, as we read the scripture, we see him at the wedding feast changing water into wine. We see him heal the blind. We see him speak and the lame walk. We see him walk on water, calm the sea. We see that he loved and showed compassion in many deeds. And most of those are not even recorded, the scripture says. We can see in his word all that he taught. The parable of the seeds, the story of the prodigal son, the sermon on the mount. But the greatest of his teaching was when he taught each of us to love more and for us to be salt in the earth you see we are to make a difference for him wherever we go he also told us of things to come well we know the disciples didn't believe him but he told of his death and his resurrection and he told of one day he would come back again to rule for all eternity. Everyone that heard of Jesus when he walked the earth, they said when they saw him, that's him. That's the one we've heard of.
in the boat does he even care and we're all so afraid he just keeps lying there but that's him then he raised his
Wow. You see, Jesus changed everything. Tonight, we will hear the story of the woman at the well. She was so moved by Jesus, she told him her life story. He gave her a message that changed her life forever. And it can change our lives today. For he said, drink from the water of life. Jesus helped her realize that her belief in him would change her life. for something to satisfy so many wrong roads with no one to blame but hope like a stranger looked in my eyes and called me by name that's when I knew That's when I realized the depths of his love. He could have condemned me, but chose to forgive. The moment his grace broke through, that's when I knew. It's not how I planned it. I can't understand it. How someone so perfect could love even me. The mystery of grace is it can't be explained. He took all the pieces covered the scars and everything changed that's when i knew who jesus was that's when i realized the depths of his love he could have I knew 
Tonight, you too hear the words of Jesus. He says to us, as he did to his disciples, follow me. He gives us tonight a choice. Believe in me. Confess your sin. And you too will be set free. You too will be whiter than snow. You will live with him forever in heaven. For you see, Lord, you are truly more precious than silver or gold. For he is truly more precious than anything. Do you hear me? He is more precious than anything that this world has to offer. Let's stand as we sing this little chorus. Lord, more precious than silver.
Amen. If you have your Bible, if you want to open up to your Bible or on your app to Mark 14, surprise, we're still in Mark. We will uh, wrap up Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, but we're going to take a step back tonight just for a moment uh, to Mark 14. Uh, we looked at this passage a few weeks ago, but we looked at the story of uh, I think Peter and his denial, which is at the end of this chapter, and we kind of hyperspeeded right over the first part of Mark 14. We know that when Peter, when you get to the end of this chapter, after the Lord's Supper, Jesus talks to the disciples and he actually tells them that they will fall away. And of course, Peter speaks up and says, oh Lord, I'll never fall away. And that's where Jesus and Peter have the discussion. And Jesus says, yes, you will actually fall away and you'll deny me three times before the cock crows, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, but we're going to back up, and today we're going to look at the Passion Week, and we're going to look at what happened on that Thursday night, because today's Thursday, Monday, Thursday, and tomorrow we'll look at what happened on Friday uh, in that final week of Jesus' life before he went to the cross, so if you've got your Bible, Mark chapter 14, verse 12, and uh, I'm not going to spend a a lot of time, a long time, uh, on this passage tonight, not a typical Sunday morning message, because I know that many of you came from work, uh, and I've already heard, even on the front row, some stomachs rumbling. And you're thinking, in a few minutes, we're going to have communion, and that wafer's nowhere near enough to fill my stomach, so I understand, I understand. But I was reading this passage today, and, uh, and I'll point them out when we get there, but there were two things... You know, it's, it's interesting how you can be a Christ follower, and I have been now for 36 years. But it's interesting how God's Word, you can always learn something new if you'll just tune into the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of things I saw this week in reading that I'd never seen before, and I thought, wow, I, I, Lord, I've known you for 36 years, and I've known this passage, and yet here I have learned two new things. So I'm going to share those with you along the way, but let's kind of... Read it together. Mark chapter 14, verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water and follow him. And what's interesting in those days, most of you know, and what was probably interesting to the disciples when they heard Jesus say this to them and gave them those instructions, is that most of the time, the people that were carrying the jars of water were women. So they already know, okay, we're going to go into this town and we're not going to have to look very hard because it'll be obvious because it'll probably be the only man that's carrying water. And Jesus says, when it, wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, verse 14, the teacher says, where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself, this man, will show you a large upper room furnished and ready and prepare for us there. And the disciples went out and they came to the city. And here's the first thing that I saw reading this again this week. They found it. Just as he had told them. 
let me stop there for just a minute. When I was reading that again over and over the last several days, I just kept reminding myself reading that. The disciples went out, they came to the city, and they found it just as he had told them. Aren't you glad God is a man of his word? He does exactly what he says, just as he told the disciples. He's getting ready to give them. He's been kind of preparing them along the way, but he's getting ready to prepare them even more and to give them some news of where he's headed. And it's going to happen, just as he tells them. And he tells them that after the crucifixion, and we'll look at this tomorrow night, that the temple is going to, uh, he, he's going to re rebuild the temple in three days. Basically, he's going to come back to life. Not sure they understood all that he was trying to explain to them, but he told them that. And we know, those of us who have that relationship with Christ, know it happened just as he told them. We can take what he says to the bank. I love that. We know that these disciples, by the way, who went ahead... Mark doesn't brag on himself as we read this story in this book, but we know from Luke's gospel that the two people that Jesus sent ahead to this house were Peter and Mark. Biblical scholars say, and if you read the, the text of all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, it looks like it's probably the same household as we read about in Acts chapter 12. This most possibly could have been Mark's house that they're going to to have the Last Supper. Verse 17 says it was evening, Jesus came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus says something to them. Now they're reclining, this is a formal meal, and I know as a dad, and I remember when I was growing up as a teenager, when I used to kind of slouch at the kitchen table and recline, my mom and dad would say, sit up, sit up, sit up. But in this culture, reclining was what you did. It was a sign that it was a formal meal. And most probably they're, sit, they're sitting on the table, reclining on the, uh, re sitting on the floor, reclining on the floor. And the table may have been this high. And they've probably got their shoes off, as was the culture. And they're sitting there reclining, leaning on one another. This was a formal meal. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. If you've been in a conversation where... A bombshell has just been dropped. You know, students say, I don't know if this is still pop culture or not, but they, they used to say, you help me out, Heath, that if something profound was, is said, it's kind of like they just dropped the mic. And that's kind of what's getting ready to happen here. Jesus is getting ready to drop the mic. And here's what he says to them. After all of the journeys that they've seen, the woman at the well, calming of the storm. Jesus says something to them while they're reclined and eating. He says these words, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be grieved and to say to him, one by one, surely not I. I was talking to a friend of mine this week. Actually, you, you, some of you know her, Emily Bridges, uh, our intern, Corey, his wife. And she didn't know we, we were talking about this. I was talking about thinking about this particular scripture, but she said, 
growing up, somehow we were talking about growing up, and she said, yeah, I remember something that happened to me when I was growing up. I said, what is that? She said, I remember my dad sat us down. She has a sister and a brother. She said he sat the three of us down because uh, something had gone missing in the house. Some money had gone missing. She said he sat all three of us down and said, okay, one of you took some money. You need to fess up who took it. And, of course, they're all looking at each other like, is it me? Is it, what, was it me? Was it, who? They're trying to figure out who did it. Nobody would, nobody would confess. Nobody would admit that they took the money. So she says what happens was we all three got a, got a whooping. We all three got spanked. She said a few hours later he'd come back and he sat us all down on the couch again. He goes, okay, I'm going to ask you one more time, who, which one of y'all took the money? Of course, she says by then we're like, somebody please confess who did this. And nobody, they're looking at each other like, we don't know, we don't know. And he said, all right, you're all going to get a whooping. So they all got another spanking. A few hours later, he came back, sat him down again, because last chance, who took the money? She said, and all of us are poking, like, you better, if you did it, you we're not, I'm getting ready to get spanked again. They're all just, you know, really getting upset. Got another spanking. Nobody ever confessed. She said, the next day, my dad pulls his pants out of the dryer and in his pocket. It's all his money. <laughs> said, we never did get an apology either. We never got an apology. I don't know what these disciples are thinking, but I can't imagine Jesus reclining at this table where they're having this last meal together and him saying, one of you is going to betray me. I wasn't there. I, I, I hate to add my imagination to God's word, but I think people are people. And I imagine if it was me in that room, even though I may not have been Peter, even though I may not have been Judas, if I was one of those other disciples, I probably was running through my mind all the times where even in my heart, maybe not verbally or visibly, but maybe in my heart, I betrayed Jesus. And maybe in my mind thinking, is he going to single me out and pull up that particular incident? You know, it's... Interesting because Mark's recording of this story, he doesn't tell us that it's Judas. We have to get that information from one of the other Gospels. I think it's the book of John that tells us it was Judas. Mark leaves that out. He just says, one of them, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. One who's eating with me, and in verse 19, they're grieved. And they say to him, surely it's not I. And Jesus said to them, it is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. And again, Mark doesn't record that it was Judas who was doing that. And Jesus says, for the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And then they get into the meal. And they're eating and they take bread. And after a blessing, Jesus breaks it and he says to them, Take, this is my body. And he takes the cup and when he had given thanks, he gives it to them and they all drank from it. And he says to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is to be shed on behalf of many. And truly I say to you, shall never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. 
told you there were two things that I kind of learned reading this passage again over the last few days. The first one that stuck out again is where Jesus said, he sent the disciples out, they came to the city, they found it just as he said. But here's the second one, verse 26. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, I know that, you know that. Typically, if you've been in church at any, any length of time and participated in a communion service, the Lord's Supper service, you know that in just a little while after we go through that time of remembering Jesus, we'll sing a song. Maybe you didn't know, because I didn't know this, as I started thumbing back through all the Gospels and trying to read all about Jesus, that this is the only recorded place in the Bible that we have where Jesus participated singing. I don't know how that hits you, but hit me like a load of bricks. Here Jesus is. Getting to go through the most, getting ready to go through the most stressful, most humiliating, most ridiculed point ever in his life, walking that road to the cross, and he's singing. How can you sing when you know what is coming, except for the fact that you know you are carrying out the mission of God? He's singing. After this time of communion, the breaking of bread, and the giving of the cup, they sing a hymn. Now Jesus goes on to say a few more things to them, and this is what we've talked about a few weeks ago, where Jesus says, you'll fall away, and Peter speaks up and says, no, no, not me, not me. You know, I don't know what happened, all the the atmosphere that may have been going on in this upper room as this conversation unfolded with Jesus. I'm so grateful that we have people who are much more gifted than me that can sometimes take what is in our minds and try to put it into a visual way, because I'm a visual learner. Not everything that you see that people do in trying to recreate these Bible stories we don't know if it's exactly biblical or not. It's just an attempt to help us process what may have happened in that room that night and all the emotions that may have happened. But before we participate in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine, maybe it happened like this. Watch this, if you will.
Sun Maha Anangiti. Matindaun Dehue Anna Arthur Costa. know, it's interesting, on that last supper, Jesus knew, this is the last meal I'm going to have with my disciples. There's all kinds of things he could have shared with them. He could have shared with them, hey, here's the top, top three ways to overcome stress, or the top five ways to be a good church member. I mean, he could have shared anything with them. But what he shared with them was the breaking of the bread and the drinking from the cup and saying, of everything I could tell you to remember before I leave, even though I'm going to rise from the dead, anything I, if everything I could tell you before I suffer the crucifixion, remember me. Remember me. That night. As they were reclining near the table, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he handed, to, to, handed it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after they took the bread, he passed around the cup. He said, take, drink it all. This is my blood given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have the privilege to remember. God, really, that's what this season is all about. Maybe 
That's what the last 16 months have been about. Is you trying to get us to remember you. God, I, I confess to you personally. Lord, just on just one of the pastors here on behalf of our church, God, for the times that, Lord, I know in my own life I forget you. Lord, thank you for the reminder of this season that as you gathered your disciples, just like we've gathered together as your disciples tonight, to reflect and to be reminded and to remember what you did for us, Lord, we say thank you. God, our prayer is, and I know that your desire would be, that our thank you is beyond our words, but our thank you is with our life. So I pray, Lord, that you would take this day, this Thursday of Passion Week, where we concentrate on what you told your disciples and what you're telling us, Lord, that it would find a resting plate in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Likewise, as they finished that Lord's Supper that night, they went out and they sung a hymn. And I don't know what hymn it was, but we're going to have a song as well. And then we're going to have the opportunity to go out and impact our world much like the disciples did after spending that time, that precious time with Jesus. So Joey, lead us if you would, brother. Let's stand together and sing, Blessed Be the Tithe. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, if you can. Come join us tomorrow, 7 o'clock, and of course, Easter Sunday. Church family, please invite at least one person. Uh, I was uh, in one of the restaurants I hang out with here in Five Forks the other day, and a young lady I've been talking to for probably a year uh, grabbed me and said, what time, what time does your service start Sunday morning? I said, 9.30. She said, I think I'm coming. I said, well, I hope you will, because you're going to meet some of the best people on the planet, I promise, when you get here. So uh, God bless you. Have a wonderful night. We'll hopefully see you tomorrow, Sunday morning.
hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.